You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Good morning. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. Last week, as I mentioned, we're going to have four weeks in a row talking about being thankful, thinking thankful in our lives. Something I know that we all need help in, something that I need probably more help than others in, as far as being thankful in our life. Last week, we talked about who needs to be thankful and who we should be thankful to. Obviously, we all need to be thankful, and the one that most of our thanks needs to be directed to is the Lord. He's the one who has given us life. He's the one who's done all the amazing things in our life. He's the one who actually you know, allows us to live and to serve Him. So the one that we need to give our thanks to is the Lord. This week we're going to talk about what should we be thankful for, as well as what the expression of a truly thankful heart is. Next week, we'll try to get into when and where should we be thankful, and the week after that, the how and the why of being thankful and, and having thankfulness be a part of our life. So let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time that we can look in your word. Lord, I pray that you just bless the preaching of your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you just fill me with your spirit. Lord, just give me the words to say. Lord, just help me present this to the people here, Lord, as you've laid on my heart. Lord, I pray that you just change me this morning. Help me to be more thankful. Lord, help me to think in my own life, Lord, how to be thankful, what situations, Lord, that I need to be more thankful. Lord, just give us an attitude of gratefulness and gratitude to you for everything you've done in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, obviously last week we talked about the who. It was an obvious answer to us. This week we're going to look at the what. What should we be thankful for? And what is the true expression of a thankful or grateful Heart. Hopefully, you know, we will gain something from this that we can take home and apply to our lives. That's, that's the most important thing, right? We want to have some sort of application that we can take, that we can put our hands on, that we can wrap our minds around. So hopefully this comes out clear. Hopefully we can see from this account here in 1 Samuel the true expression of a thankful heart, something that we can apply to our own lives this morning. So let's start off in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to start at verse uh, 24, and we're going to read through 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 10. Now all of us, I, I would think most of us that have been in church for any time, we know the account of Hannah, how she prayed to the Lord asking for a son. She was barren. She asked the Lord for a son, and the Lord gave her the son. And, and that son ended up being one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest prophet in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel, the prophet Samuel. He was a great leader for the nation at a time when they needed a great leader, a guy that was in tune with God. And if we read this account, starting verse 24 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says, And when she, Hannah, had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. 
For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich, he bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill, to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces, out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. Here in 1 Samuel, chapter 1, through 1 Samuel, really chapter 2, we find how Hannah expressed to the Lord her, thanks, her thankfulness, her gratefulness for what the Lord had done in her life in giving her the son Samuel. We know that she prayed, she sought the Lord. We remember that time, if we looked earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 1, how that she begged the Lord for a son. She poured out her heart. And remember how Eli the priest thought that she was maybe a drunken woman, but she said, no, I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord. And I asked the question to myself and to you, do you think possibly, and I'm sure it's probably more like probably, that the Lord withheld this blessing to Hannah of a son until she truly came to that point where she emptied herself before the Lord, asking him for this thing that she most desired. Do you think the Lord withheld that from her until she got to that point of being broken before the Lord and just relying on the Lord solely for something that she could not do in her life? In her life, she could not provide her husband a son like she wanted to do. She couldn't do that. And so for her, at that time, that was a stigma upon her. And she needed that from the Lord. And she came to that point where all else had failed, and she opened herself to the Lord, emptied herself before the Lord, asking for a son. You know, sometimes when we become ungrateful, we do become ungrateful, because we are not receiving from the Lord that which we believe he should have. We've prayed for it, we've asked the Lord for it, the Lord hasn't brought to our life something that we desire, and we tend to become ungrateful. But then, how often have we really come to that point where we have emptied ourselves of our will, upon the altar, asking the Lord to do something in our life that we desire. And that's the point that Hannah came to in her life. So when the Lord answered her prayer, her only response was praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and to give back to the Lord that which she had promised to him. You know something we find throughout Scripture, and I'm not going to go through all the verses, there's just so much, if, you, if we look at the Scripture, there's just so much in the area of thankfulness. Really, I think I said it last week, we could, we could spend months 
more, more than months, we could spend probably years covering all the aspects of thankfulness that we find in the Scripture because it's something that is talked about so much and it permeates so much of our life and our response to the Lord. Hannah responded to the Lord by opening her mouth and praising Him. You know, when we have a hard time opening our mouth to praise the Lord, it tells us we probably don't have a very thankful heart to the Lord. We talked about last week how being thankful literally in the Hebrew means an action done with the hands, a physical action. You know, opening our lips to give thanks to the Lord is an action. That's the easiest thing for us to do, and it's something that we should do in our life. We should open our mouth to praise the Lord. If we can't sing praises to the Lord, there's a problem with our heart in the area of our thankfulness and our gratefulness to the Lord. Hannah was true to the prayer that she uttered, and we can find these areas of thankfulness. As she brings them to the Lord, she opens her mouth to share to the Lord. And it really, it says she prayed and said. So maybe this might not have even been an audible prayer, an audible thanksgiving, but yet it's recorded here in the scripture exactly what she said. So maybe it was an audible prayer to the Lord of thanksgiving. I don't know. But all I do know is that the Holy Spirit at this time filled her heart with such praise and gratitude to the Lord for what he had done in her life that she couldn't help but share you know, I think in our own life, we have the constant indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life that should bring forth this attitude of praise and thanksgiving in our own hearts, that we should be thankful. So how do we hold back the Holy Spirit from, from that thanksgiving work that he wants to do in our own heart? Whereas Hannah, when the Lord gave to her her desire, she was able to just share that praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And she hit on a couple areas, or a few areas here, that I want us to just look at this morning and to gain from it some more insight into our lives on how we should be thankful in our daily life. First thing that she thanks the Lord for, in verse 1, is because I rejoice in thy salvation. At the end of verse 1, she says, My heart rejoices in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. The first thing she was thankful for was the salvation of the Lord. Now, at this time, salvation truly had not come. The Lord Jesus had not died on the cross to open up the way. But we know by faith, all the old saints were looking forward to that day of salvation, the day the Messiah was going to come. So they were aware of it at that time. She was thankful for the salvation of the Lord, maybe the salvation from their enemies in the, in the temporal sense, the physical sense, but also looking forward to that great salvation that the Lord Jesus Christ would bring. The next thing we see is that she's thankful for the holiness of the Lord. She was thankful for the wisdom of the Lord involving knowledge and justice, rejection of man's pride. We also find that the Lord is in control of all things as we go down into the latter part of this, this, this passage that we read, verse 3, 4, all the way down through verse 10. That the Lord is in control of all things. And that was another thing that she expressed her thankfulness for. He lifts the poor out of poverty. He puts the rich into poverty. He keeps his saints from the pitfalls of the world and destroys those who work wickedness. So let's just look at these areas that Hannah has laid out for us in her praise and thanksgiving to the Lord here in this passage. And let's look in our own hearts and see if we truly have the attitude of being thankful that we should in these areas. First thing she touched on was salvation. Not just having salvation, but rejoicing in the salvation of the Lord. And she mentioned here, this gave her boldness. Her mouth was enlarged. In other words, it gave her boldness to speak out 
about the salvation of the Lord because she knew that the Lord was on her side, that the Lord, that she was doing the Lord's will. Had we truly thought of and been thank, thankful for salvation the way that the Lord desires of us? You know, that is, salvation is the aspect of our life when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Now we are on that path of being able to live out a godly life, to be able to live a life pleasing to the Lord. It says in 1 in, in Timothy, great is the mystery of godliness. And isn't it a great mystery to us that salvation should be brought into our life? It's a great mystery to me that I should be born again, that I should have received the gospel and being able to see clearly and be raised in a Christian home, it is a great mystery to me. In First Peter, we are shown how greatly the prophets desired to see the salvation that we are experiencing right now, that time of free acceptation of the gospel, to have the, the whole, entire, complete word of God before us that we can see and understand our need and we can see that it is already fulfilled. Everything has taken place for us. The atonement has been paid. We don't have to do any sort of works. All we have to do is accept this free gift. Especially, I think, though, for us as Americans, living in America. Not that Americans are the only ones who can receive salvation. I'm not going to say that. And I'm sure there's some wackos out there that do say that, and that's not right at all. All around the world, anybody can be saved, right? The gospel is open to all men, and the Lord desires that all men would be saved. But here in America, we have to admit that we have been given more opportunity to accept the Lord and to live out our faith freely than most any other country in the world at all time. You know, just by the current state of the church in America and the falling away of the young people and even old people in America, we can see that we are not thankful for salvation as we should be. We are not thankful for that free gift that we have received in our lives. Because as we mentioned, being thankful literally means that physical action that was involved in our worship to show to the Lord that we are thankful. Physical reaction requiring the use of our hands. True thankfulness is expressed by action. So, if we can't even show up to church, are we truly thankful for the church and for the salvation that the Lord has given to us? If we can't serve the Lord in some capacity, either in the church, outside of the church, around the church, if we can't serve the Lord in any capacity, are we thankful for the salvation that he has given to us? If we can't give back some of the money or the time that the Lord has entrusted to us, are we truly thankful for the, th for the salvation that the Lord has given to us? If we look back in time, you know, I'd say this world has been around for about 6,000 years. Of that time, only 2,000 has been since the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, and made it possible that all nations, all people could be saved apart from the Jewish faith. You know, before that, it was only revealed to the Jews. And the Jews were the ones that were responsible for bringing forth the truth of the gospel. But now, since Jesus has come, it's been opened to all mankind. So we're living only in a time period of about 2,000 years. And of that 2,000 years, there's really been only about 400 years where there's been an open ability to spread the gospel and to share the gospel with others without fear of persecution or destruction. And, and really, it's happened only in this continent that we have seen that. Around the world, you see people getting saved, but it doesn't necessarily happen as freely and as openly as it does here in America. You know, that, if, I, if I do the math, that's about 6% of the time that the world has existed that we have had freely the ability to accept that gift of salvation. And then we consider that 
We are living in America, living in a nation where we are free to accept salvation without consequence, which happens in other countries, such as the Middle East or India. You know, there's consequences for accepting Christ in most other parts of the world. Even in the Philippines, there are still some consequences for accepting Christ. You know, and the gospel goes forth and people accept it, but there's still, in some of those families, we don't see it, I know, but there's rejection. There's things that those people have to face that we don't necessarily face in our lives. And I know the gospel is becoming more open, especially as the gospel goes forth in the Philippines, it's becoming more free and, less, and more accepting of the true gospel in the Philippines. But there's still that sort of persecution that can occur. You know, America makes up about 4% of the world's population. And if we look through the minuscuity of our window of free acceptance of the gospel, do we not understand how privileged we are to live in the time that we live in, in the place that we live in, and being able to have the salvation that God gives. It is a great mystery why God would have chosen us to be able to believe and to accept. And we would have laid on our hearts that conviction that we needed in order to trust Jesus as our Savior. Something we should be grateful for and thankful for each and every day. And how are we demonstrating that thankfulness in our life? You know, just, this is just considering time according to this world that we just talked about that small amount of time that we've had the window of salvation open to all the world. You know, this is not even taking into account that an eternal, immortal God chose to place his love and care and attention, sacrifice of himself upon a fallen, simple, temporary, ungrateful, mortal man. If we take into that account, that this is an eternal God, that, you know, our soul and our spirit will live on forever, but as far as this physical realm that we live in today, it's temporal. It doesn't last. And yet God has put so much emphasis on how we live out our lives in the short time that we have it and being able to do many blessings in our lives and give us that gift of salvation. It's an amazing thing to think about. The ability to live a life with the constant comforting of the Holy Spirit. To be able to live a life pleasing to God and to have his word as our guide. If we are truly thankful, we would engage in the work of God until we were completely exhausted not a little bit inconvenienced. This is just the aspect of looking at our salvation personally, not looking, and now we will look at, how the Lord Jesus sacrificed himself for us. You know, what did he have to do? What did he have to go through to pay that price? I know we've, we've heard it over and over again, but it pays for us to re be reminded of it again, and especially as we consider this area of thankfulness, what the Lord Jesus did for us. He left his he heavenly home, his eternal home, to come to this earth, that was even more dirty and rotten than it is today as far as that concerns. I think of, you know, the living conditions today as opposed to the living conditions when the Lord Jesus came. Why would he have chosen to come there? He knows the future. He could have had a much easier life nowadays. He could have, Jesus chose the appropriate time to come. He knew what he was doing. To live and minister to an unbelieving people. To seek to reach a group of people that wanted to kill him and did. That was what his plan was and he did it. And they killed him, but he still ministered to them ahead of time and afterwards as well. To suffer the pain and agony that Christ suffered for us. Are we truly thankful for our salvation? Because if we're truly thankful, what actions in our life prove that we are thankful for the Lord's salvation that he has given to us? If there is no action, then we are nothing but ungrateful recipients of the most priceless gift of all eternity. That is what we have to think about in our own lives in regards to our thankfulness for the salvation the Lord gives to us. The second thing that Hannah mentions here in verse 2, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee, 
neither is there any rock like our God. She mentions the holiness of the Lord being an aspect of her thankfulness here in this passage. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You know, the glory of the Lord is his holiness. The glory of the Lord is his holiness. He is the only God, the true God, and his holiness sets him apart from all the other false gods around the world. All, all, all of Satan's and his angels are all set aside because the Lord's holiness sets him apart. It sets him above. It is his glory. His holiness is what shines forth his glory and why at no time man has been able to see God because of his holiness. We can't stand before him except for the covering of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus standing in our place saying, I paid the sins of this individual. And that's going to be in eternity. But beforehand, nobody could stand in the presence of God because of his holiness. The Lord swears oaths by his holiness. We find this over and over in Scripture, that when the Lord swears an oath, he swears it by his holiness, that thing that cannot change. It is an immutable truth that God cannot change in the area of his holiness. He can't change at all, but especially in the area of holiness, when he swears an oath, he swears by his holiness. It is a thing which we can stake all the word of God upon, that the Lord is holy. He does not change. So how come it is so difficult for any of us, young and old alike, to live a holy life and to be thankful for the call of holiness in the Scripture? When the Lord is holy and his glory is his holiness, and we have received the salvation of the Lord, called to be holy, yet we have a hard time living out holiness in our life. And I know, especially in my life, I have a hard time living out holiness, as I'm sure all of us do. We have a hard time with that sometimes, especially when the Lord asks us to give up things that we don't want to, or to change areas of our life that we don't really want to. But we are called to live a holy life. Psalm 97, 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. When we remember the holiness of the Lord, it should cause us to be thankful. But does it? In our life, in my life, when I think of the holiness of the Lord, in my own self-will, does it cause me to be thankful or to be resentful of what the Lord is requiring of us? That also goes back to our being thankful for our salvation. If we've been truly thankful for our salvation, I believe being thankful for the Lord's holiness and being required, that requirement to live out a holy life to please the Lord should be something we are thankful for as well. If we are thankful for the holiness of the Lord, we would not fight against living out holiness and separation in our lives. The reason we fight against this is because we're not thankful. But the Lord's holiness, as we've mentioned, is, if you truly look at Scripture, is a thing that most becomes God. God is love, God is just, God is merciful, but all of that comes forth because He is holy. You know, in Webster's, Webster's Dictionary, the definition of holiness is exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. And that completely sums up the Lord. Let me read that again. Exalted or worthy of complete devotion. Complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. And the Lord is the only one that is perfect in goodness and righteousness. And he is required, and, he is, and we should desire to exalt him and to worship him because he is worthy of our complete devotion in the area of his holiness. So if the Lord is holiness, and we are commanded to be holy as well, yet we are not God, what does this mean for us? The two parts, I believe it explains, this, this is a good explanation of this definition. 
First part, we must be completely devoted. Okay, that means all aspects of our life given us wholly over to the Lord. That everything we do in word or deed, we do all to the glory of God, right? We need to have that devotion to the Lord in our life. And the second part is if we are completely devoted to the Holy God, we will live out his commands in our life. So first of all, we need to be devoted. Second, we need to live it out. We do these two things, we will live a life of holiness as well. You know, if we look around at most of the mega ministries that are happening in, in the world today and in the church in America, they're not about holiness, but about pleasing ourselves, right? And when we please ourselves, we don't necessarily live holy. More often than not, we are not living holy when we are pleasing ourselves. They do not project the holiness of God, but instead project the pride of man. Which if we look in this passage as Hannah was praising the Lord and thanking him, that was one of the things that she said, she's thankful that the Lord rejects the pride of man. You know, and that's what we see happening when we uplift man as being some uh, terrific individual or terrific being, we take the glory of God's holiness away and we turn it into the pride of man getting the glory. When the spotlight is on me, it is no longer on God. But in the presence of God's holiness, truly we come to understand who we are and that we have no recourse but to turn to God, to confess our sin, to remit to the Lord that we are sinners in need of salvation and that we need him and his Holy Spirit to live out a holy life in us, in and through us. I think back to the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, where Peter, James, and John were confronted with the holiness of the Lord as Jesus revealed himself to them. And, and Elijah and Moses come down with him. And, you know, Jesus showed himself in his glory, emanating light from himself. And we sometimes think that was when the disciples fell on their faces and worshipped. But as we look at this passage in Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 6, it says, And after six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Then answered Peter and said unto, the, unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, that voice that spoke out of the cloud, when they heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. They fell on their face and were sore afraid. When the voice of God in his holiness spoke out of the cloud to them, they could not stand before it. When the word of God went forth from the mouth of God, the disciples had to fall on their faces. Are we thankful for the Lord's holiness as we should be? Do we understand the holiness of the Lord in our life as we should? Do we like it? when we cannot stand before the Lord because his holiness convicts us and brings such pressure upon us as to where we are at in our spiritual state as opposed to the holiness of the Lord? Are we thankful that the call of the believer is a call continuing on the path of holiness? And do our actions prove this in our life, that we are thankful for the holiness of the Lord? That was the second aspect of Hannah's prayer. Three, and this is kind of wrapped up in verse 3, talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Not only is the Lord of God the Lord a God of knowledge, he is wisdom. And that is essentially the aspect of the Lord that she was praising here in this passage. The Lord's wisdom 
in this. In the books of Job and through Proverbs, we find a lot said about wisdom. We find where it begins. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. We find out how to apply wisdom to our lives in Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. If we were to number our days and say that we have just a short time left, what am I doing for the Lord? It would apply, teach us to apply our hearts unto wisdom. We see where wisdom comes from in Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. We find wisdom is essential to our happiness in Proverbs 3, 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. We find that it is an important aspect of life. Wisdom is the principal thing in Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. We find wisdom to be one of the most expensive things on the planet in Proverbs 8, 11. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. It's kind of just brought something to my mind because I saw a Babylon Bee article where it was talking about the modern uh, Proverbs 31 woman being uh, worth more than a lot of Bitcoin or something like that. You know, cryptocurrency is being worth more than cryptocurrency. You know, <laughs> and cryptocurrency isn't worth that much right now. But anyway, that's beside the point. You know, wisdom is more expensive than rubies. Rather than desiring rubies or money in your life, we should desire wisdom. Are we thankful for the wisdom that the Lord provides to us? But as we saw above, true wisdom only comes from God. As do all things which we have, but specifically, we must be thankful for the wisdom of the Lord. But are we? Are we thankful for the wisdom of the Lord? Because as we said, being thankful requires action. So if we are thankful for the wisdom of the Lord, why are we content to live out our lives through our own understanding? Why do we become foolish in neglecting the wisdom of the Lord? If we are truly thankful for the wisdom of the Lord from his word, from the Holy Spirit revealing in our life, why do we choose to live out our own life through our own wisdom, rather than the wisdom of the Lord. Remember, verse 3 says, Talk mo no more so exceeding proudly. When we become proud, we reject the wisdom of the Lord. And we are not thankful for the wisdom of the Lord. When we become proud in our own life, thinking we can do everything in our own strength, in our own wisdom, our own understanding, we become ungrateful for the wisdom of the Lord, and we don't live it out in our lives. When was the last time we asked the Lord for wisdom? And not just wisdom because we're currently in a, in a bad situation. You know, we're, we're in a bad situation. We always say, Lord, show me what to do. And we're busy doing something, you know, to try to get ourselves out of the situation. When have we sat down, no trial, nothing going on in our life that we need immediate wisdom from, but we desire wisdom because we know it's an attribute of the Lord that he desires to give to us, and we are thankful for his wisdom, that we seek him for wisdom even when immediate matters are not pressing. Because that tells us our true thankfulness. Not when the situation is, is dire and we can't handle it, when everything's going good. That's the time we need to be seeking the wisdom of the Lord if we're truly thankful for the Lord's wisdom. The fourth aspect, and that covered a lot of verses here, verse 4 through verse 10, we see that the Lord is in control of all things. And that was what Hannah prayed to the Lord and thanked him for, is that he was in control of all things. Talked about the bows of the mighty men being broken. And they that stumbled are girded with strength. We talked about them that are full having bread. Those that are hungry. Or them that are full 
having hired themselves out for bread and needing to work for their bread. Those that are needing bread, being having so much given to them. They stopped being hungry. Those who had no children, having seven children. Those who had many children are now become waxed feeble. And obviously that was a talk of position, you know, at that time. So, God is in control of all things. He killeth, he maketh alive, he bringeth down to the grave, he raiseth up. Psalm 27, 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here, Hannah acknowledges the goodness of the Lord. And we've said it all the often. You know, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? God is good. And we had fainted unless we had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, something that causes us to faint or to become weak is when we don't see the goodness of the Lord. We don't understand that the Lord is good and that he is in control of all things. It becomes, and it has, causes us to become ungrateful. Because we, and it's not because the Lord isn't good. It's because we don't see it. We don't see the goodness of the Lord because we're not looking for it often. Often we're not looking for it because we're so focused on ourselves. We like to feel in control. I like to feel in control. That's why things outside of our control, usually bad things, come into our lives. We tend to question God. We tend to question God. God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? Why are you not good to me, God? Why are you good to others but not to me? Because we're so focused on ourselves. But according to the example of Hannah, God is in control of all things, and he is good. He makes, and it went through him, he makes the rich poor, vice versa. He defeats wickedness. He upholds the righteousness, the righteous. You know, when things are going good, we tend to look at ourselves and say, wow, look, look at what a good job I'm doing. Look, look how good I am. You know, everything's going good at work. Look how good I am at my job. Nobody else could do it like I do it. You know, but then when bad things come in, it's somebody else's fault, right? Rather than a mindset in our life, if we were truly thinking thankful, it would be to understand that all good things come from God, all bad things God allows, but God is good in all things. He is in control of all things. All things that come into our life, we should be thankful for. You know, I, when I, I mentioned last week about hitting that deer, and God bringing this into my heart that same day. But, you know, one thing that I can say is when I hit that deer, the first thought that came into my mind after I got out and looked and saw that my radiator was leaking and, you know, the damage, the Lord said, you need to be thankful. And I said, well, that's not the greatest time in the world to be thankful. But that was what the Lord was working in my heart, is that I needed to be thankful. You know, nobody was hurt. We were able to get the damage fixed. It wasn't a big deal. I was able to drive it to where I needed it to go. We had means and ways and, and resources, you know, to, to, to help out in that situation. I didn't struggle. I didn't, I didn't die. <laughs> I had every reason to be thankful. But I was a little inconvenienced. And that's where we get in our lives that we don't understand the goodness of God in situations. So it causes us to be ungrateful. I think we like to think we are thankful when things are going good. We like to think we're a thankful person when things are going good. But thinking back to that, do we not try to take credit for those good things ourselves sometimes? It seems we only remember to be thankful for the good things when God brings trials into our lives. And then we realize, man, I had it, I had it good before this, this came in. But we have it good even in the trial because God is good and he's in control. Sometimes I believe God probably brings trials into our lives to teach us that we need to be more thankful. Because when we're in the good times, we're taking the credit all ourselves. When in the bad time, now we need to seek him. Now we need to understand that he is truly, he's going to show himself strong in our life, 
and then he wants us to be thankful for everything he's doing in our life. We must determine to think thankful in all circumstances because God is in control of all, both the good and the bad. God is in control. We need to be thankful. You know, America, we really have a lack of thankfulness. We've been so overabundantly blessed by God in this country, but our lack of thankfulness and our expectation that we are supposed to be thanked for the good we have received has led America down a path of utter darkness and unthankfulness that we as Americans have done. We put our backs to the work. We've done the work to make ourselves what we are. You know, I think it leads an area of pride and ungratefulness in our own hearts, and we can see that in our country today. As a church, people that used to go to church are leaving off to, to work or just to have fun, to enjoy the blessings that God has given to them on Sunday as opposed to working for the Lord. So how do we as believers set the example of true thankfulness that will convict the heart of our country to truly direct its thanks once more to God? First, we must demonstrate who God is and that he still does work in our lives. And we must be examples of thankful people. Second, we cannot be timid in sharing the areas in which we are thankful. It says in Romans 2, 4, Or despisest thou the riches of goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. There is no better way to lead this nation to repentance than to show them the goodness of God and to be thankful. But in order for us to be the example of thankfulness, we need to change our mindset first. We have to think thankful first. We have to be thankful. What did Hannah do in order to be thankful? She gave back to the Lord that which he had, she had asked of the Lord and which he had given to her. That which was most precious to her that she had asked of the Lord, she gave it back to the Lord. Are we at that point in our life as well? Let's think thankful. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.